Good morning. Technology is a wonderful thing when it works. (laughs) I've been caught in places before and thinking, well, we should do this old school instead of trying this. But today we'll use the overhead because it's working for us. Lovely. Let's open a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We thank you for these hymns that we've sung of him who is who's altogether worthy, who's altogether lovely, who's altogether knowing, in spite of all those things, loves us in our place and where we are. May you, Lord, you just reveal upon our hearts the things that you've prepared for us. May you open our hearts and our minds that we might hear and listen and receive what you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank our worship team this morning for leading us in worship, uh, for bringing us into an environment of worship and praise. Um, music can do that. Music can, can lift the heart, can, can remove obstacles, can help us to, to push out distractions of the world and just bring us into a place of worship and a place of peace and quiet with the Lord. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for that too. We have before us the four soils, a parable. I'd like to start by reading the parable. It's, it's found in a few different areas. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 1. It's also found in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20, and Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. Each one of the Synoptic Gospels has this parable listed. I chose Matthew this morning. We'll read from Matthew 13, and we'll begin at verse 1 to 9. And then we'll jump over to verse 18 to 23. I don't have that on the overhead, so if you have a book, which is uh, quite old school, you can read it from that, or you can read it from whatever device you happen to have. So we're going to begin with Matthew chapter 13, um, verses 1 to 9. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat into it. While all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow a seed, and as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it was produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Then down to verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which is sown in the heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell in rocky places, the man who hears the word and once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. 
The one who receives the seed that fell among thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. May the Lord add his blessing to the word. This parable of the sower is in fact the first parable. The first parable that Jesus told. And he teaches the audience the parable, but he also teaches how to interpret the parable. He says, to illustrate a parable and then explaining how the disciples should understand the parable. So it's a parable, but it's also a parable on how to understand parables. Because he understood that the disciples would be in a position one day where they'd be in the marketplace and then someone would say, Hey, you know when Jesus said about those soils, what did he mean? And so the disciples would be in a position to explain, well, this is what Jesus was saying. This is what he was saying when he talked about those different soil types. Interesting in the account of Mark, when we read through the parables there, we come across this statement. He, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, if you don't understand this parable of the sower and the seed, you won't understand any parables. And so, it was important for the disciples to understand how to interpret parables. And in this parable, he was teaching them a parable, but also a parable on how to understand parables. that makes sense? So, the disciples get a private audience with Jesus on how to understand the parable what it actually means. Let's start with Jesus' explanation. We have, as Jesus explained from verse 18 down, the hard heart. It's been trampled down for many years. Feet have passed over it. It becomes impenetrable. The seed falls on this path and merely lies on it. The devil quickly it off. question arises, what makes a heart hard? There's only one answer. It's sin. Sin hardens the heart that is hardened and then sins even more. Sin leads to a rejection of God and God's truth and the rejection of God's truth leads to even greater sin. Two women they could say two men, but this happens to be two women, were overheard speaking. And one was saying, why is North America in such a declining moral state? The answer was five simple words. Because people love to sin. Simple as that. Profound truth, accurate summary of our culture and the culture of most cultures throughout history. The hard heart. We have the second heart, which is the shallow heart. Seed that has been cast among the rocks. The seed here 
it did sink into the soil, but to a very, very shallow depth. I was re-seeding my lawn from throwing snow on it all winter, and it came up all brown, so I thought I'd fix it. And so I put new soil along the border and created a nice new area and seeded it. And, uh, and in my seeding, I seeded the driveway too. And so, and I noticed that after a period of time, lo and behold, nice grass started to grow up in the soil. But I also noticed something else. Grass started growing up in the driveway. Little, little grass, kind of like on the hair of my head, kind of grow, growing up on that driveway. And guess what? It wasn't long before the grass grew up and it just fell over. No depth. Rocks in its way. Many people fit this description. Oddly enough, we see them thriving in and out of evangelical churches. It's strange to think that. that So many with a shallow heart should be in our church today. Their shallow hearts are attracted initially to the joy and excitement where much is happening in a church. Much excitement. They hear the gospel seem to fit in, even make a profession of faith at times. But then some difficulty comes up, perhaps a loss of job, and oftentimes it's an offense with somebody else within the church, or even a bad romance. And just as quickly and suddenly, they seem to embrace the faith, fall away because they were never truly born of Jesus. Never really truly born of Jesus. We have also the strangled heart. Strangled by things. The Lord describes as thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of thorns and riches choke out the word. In Jesus' day and in our day too, many people and lives are choked by riches. Riches do not choke a person in one particular day. It's a gradual process, like a weed growing up slowly. They strangle out that budding little seed, and the spiritual life collapses. Until we hear this fatal saying one day, I need to provide for myself. I'm going to go fill up my barns, and I think about Jesus maybe later when I'm older. And oftentimes, never hear from that person again. Then we have the open heart. The heart that receives the gospel like good soil receives seed. The only sure evidence of a genuine reception of the word, a person, is the bringing forth of spiritual fruit. Jesus asked the question of us, is your heart open? Are you receptive to God's truth? A person may say honestly, I'm afraid not. I wish I was, wish my heart was open, but I know that my heart is perhaps hard. I know that my heart, my spiritual condition is shallow. Or perhaps I'm choked by the riches of the world. What can I do? The answer is, I can do nothing. 
But God is a great gardener. He can break up hard ground, uproot rocks, and remove thorns. Quite a few years ago, Northland Bible Camp has cleanup days. And when we were at Kirkland Lake, we used to go to cleanup days because the boys were young and we wanted to teach them some good work, put a broom in their hand and that sort of thing. So we went to cleanup days. I was a junior boy camper when I was 12 years old. I've told us my testimony. Some of you may have heard this before, but I'll repeat it for your sake today. And when campers um, went through camp, the counselor would write a kind of a little card, a little sort of review summary card. And my wife asked Mrs. D at the time whether she could see young Bruce's um, 12-year-old card. Now, this is quite a few years later, and she was a a great administrator, and she had these cards. So, with some persuasion, um, Mrs. D gave my wife the card that reviewed my 12-year-old days at Junior Boys. It said a couple things on there. Keep them out of the sun. Can you imagine why? I did have blonde hair at that point, so it did get some protection. said somewhat of a discipline problem, which my parents were probably not surprised to hear. And said the last thing, heart hardened to the gospel. Twelve years old, heart hardened to the gospel. So, that was the summary of what a counselor, now Mrs. D, being the lovely person she is, she says, don't take that to heart. She says, sometimes, you know, people just sort of get the wrong idea to write things down. But I think the counselor knew what they were writing. In Ezekiel, we have this, this thought expressed in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. It says, God spoke to a hard-hearted person in Ezekiel's day and said, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so, I can testify today that Ezekiel was perhaps talking not only about the people of his time, but the people of the future who would fulfill the prophecy of what he was predicting about taking that hardened heart and turn it into a soft, fleshy heart that can remove be receive the spiritual truths of what Jesus is saying to us. And so we review these thoughts of what Jesus explained in the parable. And often this is the simple learning takeaway of what we glean from this parable. We have soils. It represents the heart conditions. We've got three bad ones and we've got one good one. And hopefully I'm good soil. Hopefully. And so if that was my message. I'd be done in record time. We'd invite the music team back up. And But we're gardeners. So let's get our hands in the soil a little bit. Let's look deeper. Let's dig deeper in the soil. And let's ask questions. In Mark chapter 10, 
verse 17 to 18, we have this. This reading from the Amplified Version. As he was leaving on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, that is, you are essentially good and morally perfect, what shall I do to inherit eternal life, that is, eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom? Jesus says, there is nothing good apart from me. Why do people call me good? Jesus answered, there is no one good except God. All soil, all soil, contains some element of sin, contamination, whether it's weeds, whether it's rocks, whether it's hardened, if not compressed, if not beaten down, until it's like this wood. In the form of selfishness, in the form of fear of faith, in the form of worldly lusts and desires, all soil contains those elements. Can I ask you this question this morning? Is the parable teaching that the seed... Word of God must fall on perfect, good soil in order to produce lasting fruits. If so, who among us shares this, this in their testimony? They were good soil. And of course, the seed of God's Word fell upon their hearts and it flourished and since produced a bountiful harvest for the Lord. Yes, my heart was good. I'm the seed of of God's word fell on it, of course I received it emphatically and it since produced wonderful fruits. Wow! I'd say no. I'd say emphatically no. That's not our testimony, nor is it the way God redeems ourselves to Him. What is God's way? We testify that it's through oftentimes pain and self-reflection of the Holy Spirit's conviction upon our hearts. An acceptance of our sinfulness. And deep evaluation and often reaching a time when we're at the end of ourselves. And we reach out in desperation to God and in deep heartfelt repentance and need for forgiveness. And so, we come to him. And at that point, Jesus asked the question, Is your heart now open to me? Are you receptive to God's truth? God's gardener is repentance. God's gardener is repentance. Preparing the soil... That consists of weeds, of roots and rocks can be removed in the labor of repentance and tilling the heart soil by the Holy Spirit's conviction upon us. John the Baptist wrote this in Matthew chapter 3 verse 2. Simple words. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, picked up the same theme. The very beginning of his ministry. He said, from this time on, 
Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist and Jesus both understood and emphasized that repentance and the kingdom of heaven are closely linked. Notice also that the sower is not careful or selective in the labor of casting seeds. The seeds are literally flying everywhere. Should a sower try to be more careful? Try to be so wasteful? Don't sow on the path? And don't sow among the rocks? These seeds are expensive. Recently, Joe and Zach and Mark went out to Timmins Square to sow seeds among shoppers entering the square. And I wonder if their strategy was, okay, boys, only good soil, right? These books, only good soil. Let's not waste this stuff. No. You can talk to them, but I'm sure it wasn't that. It was, we're going to distribute these Bibles and these candy canes to everybody who comes. Anybody and everybody. The sower in the parable is God. God is extravagant with the casting of his seeds. We read this in Second Peter. Chapter 3, verses 9-10. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is Jesus' desire for us. He wants everyone to come to repentance. First Timothy repeats the same thought. He says in chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Seeds are continually being cast, giving new seasons and giving new harvests. Think of the preacher who preaches to Mass evangelical meetings. Billy Graham, he preached to millions. Reinhard Bonnke, he preached to millions of people. The hearers at Christian concerts, tens of thousands of people hearing all at the same time. Those who pass by, even the street preacher. The receiver of Bibles in hotel rooms. Seeds cast to all the various soil types. We realize that the seed that falls on good soil results in genuine salvation and fruits of sanctification and also a multiplication of future seeds resulting in a greater harvest. Some through 30, some 60, some even 100 times. And the seeds that fell in other environments result in the seed being wasted because the devil or ourselves, the word of the attraction, removed the seed and squelched it 
from claiming victory. So, if the casting of seeds is random, and the soils represent the conditions of the heart, question, what is the parable really teaching, and what is the proper response to the hearer? What is the parable really teaching? Those little gears going around our heads? What's it saying? What is the parable speaking to us about what it means and how we understand it? But more importantly, to those little gears going around in our head, the question, what's Jesus saying to me about this parable? And the parables are meant to help us comprehend the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Help us to bring in and come into that relationship with God and come deeper into that. So the things we sh- I'm sharing today are largely the things that God is speaking to me about regarding this parable. If those things resonate with you, well, praise God for that. But those are the things that God speaks to me about The significance of the parable is teaching maybe what happens in the soil. In the soil. What is the Holy Spirit doing in our hearts to affect this condition? The sower is not selective as to what soil type gets its seed. So it's possible... It's a soil condition and the environment that is flexible and not as static as one might think. All of us have family members. All of us have close family members, extended family members, close friends who do not know the Lord. All of us have family members that we could say fit into these different soil types. All of us have burdens of those particular people who are in those particular situations regarding that environment. And I don't know about you, but it's sometimes in my mind, I think it's kind of a fait accompli. That's who they are. That's how they've always been. I don't see much indication of change. I really don't. And sometimes we just sort of think, I'm praying for this person, but I'm not expecting a lot of change. Do you ever find that? Sometimes? If it wasn't for the fact that Jesus changes hearts and fulfills what Ezekiel said in chapter 35, I would be after my birthday this week, a 61-year-old, hard-hearted version of the 12-year-old boy that I was. But praise God, that's not what Jesus wants from our hearts. Praise God, that's not where he leaves people in circumstances of those soil types. Therefore, the soil types are not necessarily fixed but fluid and changing. 
The outcomes of the seed growing in the soil environment are not permanent, lifelong conditions of the heart. And as we know, the heart changes. But only with the intervention of the gardener. Only. And as a caution to us today, we understand that this parable, the soil conditions, focus on salvation. Yet the parable can be applied also to the present conditions of the hearts as Christians. Realizing that we can invite and we can encourage and we can entertain thistles and dandelions to invade our lawns. I don't know if you've ever had dandelions in the lawn, but they're hard to get rid of once they start. But if you never invite them in, they never have a chance to start to invade the harvest. Question. Can we as Christians have any influence on the conditions of the unrepentant heart of the unrepentant person of the unrepentant soil? Can we as Christians have any influence on that? Or is the soil type that I mentioned a moment ago fixed? Even in our hearts, and our minds. We acknowledge and believe the work of salvation is dependent upon the work of God. These are familiar verses to us. But it's God's truth. And it's God's reality. Jesus says in John 6, verse 44, No man comes to God unless he draws him first alongside the work of the Holy Spirit. And John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The emphasis is that Jesus draws us. We come as a result of Jesus drawing us. How can we assist God in bringing hard, shallow, and even choke people to himself? How as we as Christians assist God in that? And the question that gets raised often is, what difference does prayer make to the gardener tilling the heart soil? Jesus' ministry, verses 15, chapter 15 to 17, we read these verses, and they're repeated throughout that whole theme. There's many, many times that Jesus brings up this point at the end of this ministry for a purpose. For people who will succeed him in ministry once he goes to the cross. He says this, he said, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given. It says in John 15, verses 16 to 17, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And John 16, 24, 
until you now, until now you have not asked for anything in my name, ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. And perhaps my favorite verse is this one here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's the action that God's calling us to. The result is this, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I told you about a 12-year-old boy who went to Northland Bible Camp. And when I came home, my heart wasn't changed. And I know, as a 12-year-old boy, my mother was quite concerned about me. Now, her mother was a very godly woman. I've told you about her at different times. But she was a praying woman. And she had deep spiritual insight. And the things she said to my mother was remarkable. Of this hard-hearted, 12-year-old, arrogant, angry, young, beautiful boy. (laughs) She said this. She said, I know you're concerned about Bruce. Don't worry about him. God has plans for him. A grandmother who prays, and all she could see was a road of problems that a young boy was going down. And her comment was, don't worry about Bruce. He'll be fine. Hmm. Hmm. It's getting misty up here. So, our New Year's, 2019. This is perhaps the last Sunday of this year, never be repeated again in 2018. 2019, a challenge for us going forward. How can God use us to cultivate the undesirable soil. How can God use us to cultivate the soil that we all know exists in our family, in our extended family, in our friends, in the people we love? How can God use us? Prayer is a necessary element and a catalyst in calling out to the gardener to till the soil of the heart. We've read in 1 Peter that Jesus said, I am not willing that any should perish. We've read in John 15 and 16, If only you ask, if only you ask of my will, and I will do it. If we persist in 2019 to become a body that is determined, determined to pray earnestly and without ceasing for those people we love,
for those people that maybe, and just maybe, we've previously put in a category called the too hard box. I know I have a too hard box, and I have someone that I dearly love in that too hard box. And God's been prompting me to say, there's no such thing as a too hard box. Look at yourself. You were in that box. And there was a woman who prayed you out of that box. Now we recognize the fact that God does the work. We're not talking about salvation by works through prayer. We're talking about the saints bringing prayer to God who prompts action as a result of our earnest prayer. He hears our prayer and He desires us to pray and to bring these things to Him. So that is our challenge. That's my challenge. If that's your challenge as well, well, praise God for that. And we'll close with this thought. Our prayer life. What is our prayer life? It's an act of warfare against opposition. We recognize there's opposition to keep people in the too hard box. There is. And it's not something that is not real. It's very real. And it's very intentional. And it's very effective. But we also have our prayer life that is an act of worship as well. And that act of worship is stimulated and motivated by gratitude of seeing God soften soil, remove rocks, remove barriers, remove thistles and thorns, and start the work of a, of a seed landing in what was once considered to be soil that was never going to do anything, bear fruit. And that fruit resulting in more fruit for the, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of Jesus. Let's just close in prayer. And as we close in prayer, let us commit ourselves to be a church, a body that is willing and desirous to come to God and to pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, for Your truth. We thank You, Lord, for what You're doing in our hearts. We thank You for the revelation of Your Word and of how it speaks to us and how it convicts our heart and how it, it opens up our mind and our spirit and our willingness to, to act, Lord, and to perhaps step out of our comfort zone, perhaps step out of our, 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 our mind's paradigms, Lord, and and develop the thoughts and the faith, Lord, and realizing that you can do far more than we ask or think. So we just ask you, Lord, that you would fill us with the desire to come to you and pray and earnestly pray and pray believing that you are, will accomplish what we once thought was the impossible. So we commit each one of us to you this, this day and we commit all those, Lord, who would, you would speak to and reveal yourself to in this coming year. We do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And with that, do we have another hymn?
Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray your blessing as we separate. As we enter into a coming year, Lord, we thank you that you go before us. You surround us. You are above us, beneath us, and most importantly, in and through us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you softened our hearts. And they were hard, but you softened them and brought us to repentance and faith in Jesus. Lord, we pray if there's amongst us one this morning that still knows that they are outside of the family of God, Lord, may this be their day of salvation, that the Holy Spirit will continue to soften that heart, that they might have that new heart spoken of in Ezekiel. Lord, bless us as we separate. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.